Welcome to the Alliance Theater Podcast. I'm Margarita Complemaker, Director of Community Partnerships and Engagement at the Alliance Theater. I'm so excited to introduce our second artist talk of the season. These talks take you inside the hearts and minds of the talented theater artists that work at the Alliance Theater. The voices you hear may be different, but our commitment to impactful and progressive storytelling has never been more connected. In this episode, you will hear from two artists currently working on the Alliance's production of Everybody. Costume and scenic designer Lex Liang and co-director Tanache Kajese Bolden. And this is a conversation between two longtime collaborators. So it is soulful and playful and fun. And you'll hear them talk about what growing up in a Zimbabwean American family in the case of Tanache and an Asian American family in the case of Lex has taught them about reading a room and working as BIPOC artists. You'll also hear them talk about a new meaning of human in human resources as theaters across the country navigate a different political and cultural climate. And what working together on everybody has taught them about everybody and also themselves. Hey Lex. Hey. Um, so why don't you remind me your name and your title, not that I need any reminding. Hi Tanache. I'm Lex Liang, and I'm your scenic and costume designer on Everybody. Yes, you are. Mm-hmm. I'm Tanache Jesse Bolden, and I'm the co-director for Everybody. And this is not our first rodeo. It sure isn't. Mm-mm. But it's been a good time. It has been. We have worked together as uh, actor and designer, director and designer, and director and, and now designer. director and designer again. Yeah. That's so cool. And we also did a chat, was it two years ago now? During the pandemic. Mm-hmm. What were we talking about? I don't know. Pandemonia. Art surviving. Art, why art surviving is important. art in the time of pandemonia. So since we talked, what has changed for you? I think the everything feels condensed. And I think that there's a lot of different things that have been, that producers, producing organizations, as you well know, directors have been juggling both in the presentation, like Mm -hmm. how to do the business of production, but also how to take better care of their human resources um, and what that struggle means and what um, the resources required to support the human resources Mm -hmm. is. And I think that we're experiencing uh, greater or lesser degrees of success, um, Mm -hmm. depending on what um, the resources and capabilities of different theater companies are. I think it's really interesting being on the outside of a lot of these things to see a lot of theaters that are going through the motions, but not knowing just sort of all the work that it takes to actually implement those plans. And then you see places like the Alliance that have always sort of really supported they're artists, certainly as guest artists. Um, you know, I've always felt supported here. I've always felt that we are able to do the work that we've been brought here to do mm-hmm. um, in a good way. Um, so it's been interesting to see that evolution, I think, mm-hmm. be it because of COVID, be it because of realizations that have been a 
long time coming, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, but it, it's been it's been an interesting ride over the last couple of years. I love that you use this word condensed. It's this idea of creating art in such pressure. And the word of the day during the pandemic was pivot, mm -hmm. right? Like everybody was pivoting, everybody was figuring out how do we keep doing the work that we love given this war on uncertainty, given we don't know if there's still gonna be an audience when we come out. And now this notion of how do we find work-life balance and condense into a a model that is that is viable and sustainable for everybody and that's equitable and compassionate but it also feels like we're working a lot harder in a much shorter and tighter period of time for sure. how when we started this process so i think a lot of people might not realize how much work goes into a show before we actually get on the stage and it's these conversations of figuring out okay, well, as a director, I come in with this vision and this is my provocation that I want to explore. How do you, what do you love about the pre-production process as we're building out that world? And particularly, I think everybody, which is sort of breaking a lot of rules that we're used to working within. It's interesting because it's a great analogy. I think it's, it's breaking a lot of rules that we're sort of used to working in in order to create a bigger and more human invitation to explore things that we all are experiencing and we may not know it and I compare that to sort of the experience that we've had over the last year yeah. whether that's condensing or in the best of times mm -hmm. our industry works under incredible incredible pressure yeah. um, there are limited resources mm -hmm. um, I often say, you know, like I'm being forced to be creative with a gun to my head, right? Um, terrible analogy. Um, and, and now with the understanding of looking after each other better and pivoting and reducing the work time in a theater, right? Mm -hmm. So we're trying to do away with 10 and 12s. We're trying to mm -hmm. change industry standards. Um, because let's face it, some of those standards we're terrible, right? Yeah. I mean, we've been, and, and we've grown to love it, we've grown used to it because yeah. it's what we know, mm -hmm. but I think the last couple of years has given us an opportunity to take a step, step back and gain some different perspective mm -hmm. and come back uh, with a different approach, with a safer approach, with yeah. a more human approach to what it is that we do. But it also, it's condensing you know, the time, the effort, the resources um, in trying to do that. Um, and, and for everybody, what was great about working on this is, you know, you are exploring all of these themes and tenets of real life and everything that we all experience in a really beautiful, hilarious, and like heartbreaking way mm -hmm. and using different uh, storytelling methods, yeah. right? that yeah. are really exciting, but also produce their own challenges. Right. Um, and I think for those folks who are going to experience um, the show that you and Susan conceived and that I was able to help you uh, create uh, visually, is it's a different approach to all of these things that maybe some of us have been too scared to think about, mm. or particularly in the last two years. 
doing that in a world of different rules, an mm -hmm. industry of different rules, has provided its own challenges. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's a, it was a really great project to, in which to start facing those challenges. Um, because I think the realization is that the story is one that's really important to tell and experience. Um, yeah. So I don't know if I actually answered your question. No, you did, but you know what you made me think about? And we, we bring a very particular um, lived experience to our work. I think that you and I have always been very bold, very dynamic, courageous artists who always brought our full self to the work. But I would say that that's not that hasn't always been the experience for BIPOC artists. Mm. We're often asked to, and sometimes we ask of ourselves to send our representative mm. and leave parts of our culture, leave parts of our upbringing, leave parts of um, the tradition that makes us us um, outside of the room because we, I'll speak for myself, we think, well, um, it, do I need to bring all of that to this checkoff piece? And I think what the pandemic affirmed for me and I'm so excited how it's become part of the bigger narrative is part of workplace belonging is that you need to bring your full self don't leave out all that the complications and the neighborhood and the food and the way that you pray the way that you protest the way that you dance don't leave any of that outside and I think the the next generation is really driving that sense mm -hmm. of clear identity I want to know from you, I feel like you've always walked in your full self and your full truth. Has there, what is it about your background and being a BIPOC artist and navigating this world that, an industry that really wasn't built for our success and we've had to help them <clears throat> redefine it. I'll say for myself, so I'm originally from Zimbabwe my, um, my dad was a political prisoner for most of his high school years. And my mother is uh, a white Republican raised Methodist family um, that soon after my Zimbabwe got independence, my, my family moved back there. But I come from a tradition of storytellers, of civic servants and, and pastors. Um, so storytelling was actually the common ground that I stood on in a household of sometimes conflicting cultures, sometimes different um, beliefs of how children are raised, of how culture is dispensed and talked about in our household. And so I really didn't realize how much I used my ability to entertain, to de-escalate arguments, to weave together family that was from the States and family from Zimbabwe. And I didn't realize that that was a skill that I inherently brought into a rehearsal room. But now that I know its origin, I'm really intentional about bringing my culture into the room. Whether it's through um, just how I speak freely about my background, even if it's not pertinent to the page, it's pertinent to who I am. So I say all that to say, how much more of yourself have you given yourself permission to bring to an artistic experience? That is a great question. Um, I don't, it's, it's hard to gauge if there's been a change 
over the last couple of years or it's just a constant evolution of just how honest you're willing to let yourself be in a room. Mm. Um, a couple of things I will notice for, for me, I get a lot of that um, freedom to be me and bring everything that I am to the table because of directors like you who are not going to mince words. You know, something that I love actually working about with you and with Susan and other directors of your ilk is, you know, if there's a note, you don't really tiptoe around it. It's it's sort of more like What a, is that shirt? Say, <laughs> you know, I'd like to see something different, you yeah. know, and then it's an immediate dialogue. Yeah. And and I think for for those of us who are lucky enough to work with each other, you know, regularly, there is a shorthand. Yeah. Right? Like Susan may not know what the silhouette is that she wants to see, mm -hmm. but she knows that it's ominous, right? Mm -hmm. And it's my job to figure that out. Mm -hmm. I may not know, or you may not know what the garment is that you mm -hmm. want on an actor, but you know that it's not that, mm -hmm. and it wants to read a little bit more urban, mm -hmm. or it wants to read a little bit more accessible, mm -hmm. right? It's my job to figure that out. Mm -hmm. It's that honest exchange that allows that shorthand to happen without sort of I mean, I know that you respect me. You know that I respect you. It's not about like, I need to say this in a certain way, so I, I need to make sure that, yeah. you know, that, that, that Tanashi still likes me at the end of the day. Well, what you're pointing at is that it's so joyful when ego's not at the part, at the center of that I got no ego horse in the race. When the only ego is the play. Yeah. And so we're all serving that play. Um, and we're able to just be honest, and I think that is, to your point about bringing, bringing your truest self to the room, mm -hmm. it's helpful when you, know, you have folks that lead by example and it allows you, it's, it's an invitation mm -hmm. to be honest and to be efficient, mm -hmm. right, in the space. Because again, where our time is limited at this point, right. so, and, but the work still has to be the best that it can be. Yeah. And so how do you make that exchange efficient? To your other point, you know, culture is shared experience. Uh, it's, it's not geography, it's shared experience. And your culture, I think, is probably very similar to mine. Mm -hmm. And bringing that ability to be diplomatic and, and, and hear each person and figuring out the ways to best thread all of those commonalities together while tempering the differences yeah. is, I think, the best way that, that I've known to, to bring my experiences to the table, whether it's, you know, getting yelled at because I'm speaking in the wrong language at dinner, or... Ooh, and then please being, say more. <laughs> I want to know what that story is. Well, it, it, you know, what when I grew up, I, I grew up speaking Mandarin, and then Japanese, and then English at school. My little brain got rid of the Japanese, and my mom was really funny. She was very passive-aggressive. Um, love you, Mom. Um, <laughs> But she, uh, you know, my dad was out of town for work a lot, and, and he grew up in Taiwan, and we spoke yeah. Mandarin at home. My mom grew up in Japan, and when my dad was out of town, well, she'd speak to us in Japanese. Oh my gosh, my mom did the <clears throat> same, essentially the same thing, because my, my dad's involvement, my mom's American, and my dad traveled a lot. And so when my dad would go away on these long business trips, our house turned into a decidedly American household. And then when he came back, it was sort of a hybrid. It was or sort of a hybrid. But go ahead. Yeah. So when we were kids and my dad would come back and, you know, I'd be like being cute with my mom Japanese and just like, why aren't they speaking Chinese? She's like, well, maybe you should be around a little bit more. I, I mean, yeah. 
<laughs> mom, mom didn't come to play. Um, but you know, and so that it, and but then being really confused because in mixed company, yeah. family, friends coming over, holiday dinners and things, you know, we would speak Chinese, yeah. but then there would be non-Chinese speakers at the table, and my dad would get mad at us and say like, it's really rude to speak in a language that not everybody understands, and I'm like, think of your mind, man, you know, like you want us to speak wow. the same. So it was a lot of that, and so it's like, okay, so just knowing, being able to read a room being able to read the needs of other people. Mm -hmm. um, what we do as designers, certainly as directors, you know, very little of my job is design. You know, it's, oh, it's 50 to 75% is personality management. Right, and facilitating. And supporting yeah. and tempering and mm -hmm. hearing and listening mm -hmm. and translating that into usable knowledge and supportive mm -hmm. knowledge. Um, and, and I think a lot of that comes from growing up in a sort of cocktail yeah. of personalities and cultures and shared experiences and and and, and drawing on that to mm -hmm. navigate every because every project we do is different right yeah which is why i love what we do um but which is also the challenge right everybody's gonna be different which is what makes everybody so great is because in a way it's unlike i think anything a lot of us have ever done before and trying to navigate you know like oh this really is random yeah. How is costumes going to best support this and, and make sure the audience knows that this is happening live theater right. at, at its most random, mm -hmm. right? Um, uh, and it's, it's, but at the same time, knowing that we have this phenomenal cast, phenomenally led, and, and everybody has a relationship with each other already, mm -hmm. and like mm -hmm. I have a relationship with so many of them already, mm -hmm. um, it, that's been really fun because I don't know how. It, it, it created the casting and sort of the creative teams and the shorthand have created a a much um, more approachable process, a much easier process than I think it could have been if it was just a bunch of people who didn't know each other, yeah. you know, trusting each other for the first time, yeah. navigating the situation for the first time. But I think having that background of, of having to do that in your in formative years, right. in, in your right. real time, really helps that situation become a lot more smooth. I love how you threaded what I think a lot of people would just say, oh, that was just my background, that was my childhood, so I'm just gonna put that over here, I'm gonna compartmentalize that. But you so clearly drew a line, and I experienced the same thing, of how you negotiate colliding cultures, how you negotiate social settings, how you negotiated, um, I'm sure then you add, um, American culture to that, right? And how that skill has so perfectly positioned you to be the kind of artist that you are. And it influenced the way that you are able to advocate um, and also hear other people. I think people, I, I, I would say the next generation of young artists, they're, they're, they're not afraid and I'm, to speak of, from their lived experience and um, that is one of the most inspiring things about them because often I'm, I was, because of the influence of British society, uh, what was polite and what wasn't polite was made very clear very, very early on. Very clear. Um, and so it's, it's exciting right now that um, while we always want to be respectful, that there is this climate of um, creative abrasion that is happening and self-advocacy self and self-advocacy right right and I think you know the 
I, I agree with that completely. I would also like to add, though, for our younger generation, because you know, I in my class at NYU, I'm constantly amazed at the self-advocacy, mm -hmm. the setting of boundaries, all these things that I didn't really grow up thinking was okay. And I'm learning from both my students, the younger generation, all of these things. And I will say, though, that that sort of conversely, you do need to balance that, yeah. right? Like there's, there is self-advocacy and then there's just sort of uh, unnecessary aggression, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. while I don't think that there's anything wrong with aggression when it's appropriate, mm -hmm. um, in our industry, it, when it works, it's balanced. Mm -hmm. um, and so if I go to a, the Alliance, your house, your rules. The Alliance Theater does things the way they do things, and they have done things beautifully and effectively for a long time. I'm going to learn from that and mm -hmm. your house, your rules. I am a guest in your house. When I'm running a fitting with an actor, that's your time. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, like, that is when an actor is most vulnerable. Mm -hmm. That is when an actor should feel most comfortable to share um, their feelings about character, their personal needs to bring the best performance forward. It's my job as a costume designer to hear those things and to support those things mm -hmm. as best I can. Um, and so what I urge people to not do is be so, so self-advocating that it's my way or the highway. Yeah. And to know when you have to be generous and patient uh, and, and, and give space to other mm -hmm. people you know, and so it is, a, it, it's a give and take, right? Mm -hmm. But I think that balance is really important to find. Love that. You want to play a little game? So this, I, my understanding is that, um, as you know, in our show, each uh, actor picks the role they're going to play that night by lottery. So there's going to be a container on stage. A real lottery. A real like, lottery. Like, not a rigged lottery. Not a rigged a real lottery. lottery. And the setup is that inside of a, a a sealed container that you can't see inside. They're these multicolored balls. Oh, you look, mean like this? Right there. This, yes. We're gonna look call at this that. death by our own props. Death by our own props is exactly the game we have walked ourselves into. So I think if you reach into there, which I think you if can't you reach see, into oh, here, I have, uh, put your hand in my bottle. Okay. <laughs> and then there's multiple balls, and they all feel the same. And I'm gonna pull one out. Oh, and the question is, what does living a good life mean to you? Oh, freedom. Freedom in so many ways. Freedom of um, being able to choose how I want to spend my morning. I'd say choice in general. <laughs> yes, freedom just to choice. choice. Whatever that means. Whatever that means. Whether it is to, to, to work that day or to rest or to play. So a good life, a good life means freedom. And, and surrounded by my kids. That's, and my hubby. That's a good life. Oh, hubby keys. <laughs> okay, your turn. All right, let's do this. I'll put this right here. We're both playing everybody. We are. Learn my lines. Right, would you rather your mind went first or your body? My mind. So you want your mind to go first? Mm -hmm. Oh yes, I do. I don't. I don't want to be trapped inside a. 
I, uh, yeah. And, yeah. and that, wow, feelings. Um, yeah. You know, this, this play has been uh, really beautiful in a lot of ways and really hard, I think, mm -hmm. for all of us who have been closely uh, involved for a lot of ways and not, not difficult in, 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 a, in a challenging way. I think difficult in a cathartic way, mm -hmm. in a coming to terms with way. Um, and I remember before my paternal grandfather passed, uh, he, was, he was clear up until the very end. Mm -hmm. And I remember him actually saying, he's like, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but like getting old sucks. Mm. And the worst thing is knowing that your body is betraying you. Oh, and we and, talk about that in the show too. And this body is just me, but yeah. like all of the electricity and the life and the love and the feelings and all of the things that happen up here and yeah. here are still happening, yeah. even though, you know, your body is failing. Yeah. So I don't want to know that my body's failing. That's so I true. would just love to walk down the street naked and sing random songs and not care because why not? Yeah. It doesn't matter. None of it matters. Okay, I'm next. Okay, I'm not looking. Well, what is your, your superpower and what is your kryptonite? <laughs> my superpower is my curiosity. Um, my kryptonite uh, emails. <laughs> Death by email. Oh. I'm not even going to expand on that. Let's, that, that, little red, <laughs> that little red dot. No. Just anxiety. No. Your turn. All right. I dare you to answer with one word, whatever Are it is. Are there only white and blue balls in here? <laughs> what is your, you dare me to answer with one word? One word. You have to read the question. And then oh, I don't know if it's going to steer people down the wrong path or think differently. Whatever. Everybody knows I like my likes. Biggest self-care tool that protects you from burnout, alcohol. <laughs> I love it. Okay. I love a cocktail. It's just, you know, in, in moderation, but no, it's, it's, it's real. Because I know the day's over. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and it's, it's, it's ritualistic. And it's relaxing. It's and, relaxing. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and again, like it's, I know that I'm not going to answer any of those emails after mm -hmm. I've had a cocktail because mm. it's just not going to do anybody It's like favors. the North Star at the end of the day. I know how to turn off. Hello. Uh, <laughs> pull it up, turn it off. I love that. Okay. Oh, no. Oh, no. It's called Suzanne. The couch okay. broken. Oh, I got a green. Okay. I get a green. One word. What is a quote you're living by right now? Okay, that can't be one word. Be in the present. Be here. They, I, I struggled with a lot of um, depression and, and anxiety during the the pandemic. Did you really? Oh, I did. And it was a lot of uh, worry about what's going to happen, worrying about other people. Um, kids, family. And kids, yeah, family. Yeah. And just the anxiety of being out of a certain amount of control. So then you exert too much control in, in certain areas. And then you're really not present because you're always thinking ahead. You're all, you always think you have to. And so giving myself permission to get out of the future and just be here. Just be. And just be. Yeah. And it, it is scary. 
because you can mess up. And for somebody who's type A as me, accepting that I can mess up is a really scary place to be, but I think it's, it's so important to, to fall forward. <laughs> yeah, no, oh yeah, that's beautiful. And I say, you know, it's so easy to, you know, we're often juggling a lot of different projects and different tasks and responsibilities and, and for some of us families, for mm -hmm. some of us, you know, making sure that the bar is stocked, whatever the case may be, Essentials. we're all very busy yeah. and it's easily distracting, yeah. right? So being in the present is good. The yeah. emails will still be there. Uh, of course they You will. don't have to answer them right now. Yeah. I would say I, it's, um, I think this is an Abraham Lincoln, but um, a man without vices is a man without virtues. And I'm a very virtuous individual. You're very virtuous. Lex, what I appreciate most about you is your, your generosity and the way that you empower everybody, not just through your words, but how you elevate the human form. What you do to artists and the gift that you give to lighting designers and set designers, um, it's such a thoughtful, deeply profound experience that you always make my work better because you tell the untold part of the story that I haven't quite reached. And you do it through this beautiful, your choice of material, your choice of fabric. And I know it's not just a gesture. I know that it comes from your soul. So what I appreciate about you is that you leave part of your soul in everything you do, and we're better for it. Thanks, Nashe. Um, not gonna cry. Um, I, what I appreciate about you, aside from being stunningly gorgeous and brilliant, um, is your trust. I, I, we, as designers, don't get to do that unless we have the trust of a director and a collaborator. And, and I, I, I'm so grateful that we had an opportunity to work as actor designer and then as director designer because it really did give me a lot of insight as to what your process is. And, you know, as an actor, you collaborated with me as your costume designer, as a director would. You know, it was thoughtful and it was not, it was not, uh, you know, personal need. It was character driven. It was thought based. It was storytelling, you know, and, and your notes are always specific mm -hmm. and the strategic and you invite us in with our expertise in order to better the project mm -hmm. um, in a way that is, is totally trusting um, and, and is, is an invitation to the table, um, you know, to be as honest as possible and mm -hmm. to be as give, and, and, and it, it really does, it's a driving force to wanting just to give more and, and to leave a, a part behind. So thank you for always being so trusting. I adore you. I adore you back. Wasn't that an inspiring conversation? I hope you all enjoyed it as much as we did. And please join us for the performances of Everybody, which are running now until October 2nd on the Coca-Cola stage. And if you're interested in more great discussion, we have a post-show series of conversations following select performances of Everybody in partnership with the Center for Ethics at Emory University. Join us in the North Alcove Bar for a comedian and philosopher walk into a bar.
For show tickets and information, visit alliancetheater.org. And join us for the next episode of the Artist Talk series, part of the Alliance Theater podcast.